Insurance companies really want to raise awareness about the dangers of distracted driving. So Allstate put together a video where they interviewed people on the street. This happened up in Canada. And they asked these people a question. They said, tell us <laughs> the craziest distraction you've ever observed behind the wheel. Tell us the craziest distraction. So check out the video that Allstate filmed from these people. Go ahead. The craziest driving distraction I've seen is a woman um, putting on eyeliner and plucking her eyebrows while driving on the highway. I'm actually a man shaving. It's a woman painting her toenails while driving. She had the window rolled down and then she kind of had her foot out the window to like let it dry. My relative eats a bowl of cereal. He had a mattress in the back of his van and he had his kids, his like three kids, in the back of the van letting them like jump around while he was driving. So there's milk in the bowl, yes, and you know it sways from side to side. Yeah, it was a couple, it was a couple in a little, tiny little sports car and uh, they were all over the place, but uh, I guess I guess they're having their fun. I wasn't having fun, but cause I was the one driving. Eating a sandwich and driving with their knees. She was texting and swerving in and out of lanes, uh, not paying attention to anyone stopping in front of her, and we almost got in, uh, into numerous accidents, and uh, needless to say, I'm no longer a passenger in her car anymore. Changing radio stations, um, texting, or making phone calls, only because I personally know people have been in accidents because of it. I had to text my boyfriend because the house was on fire. You had a date and you were running late. He's always planning something with his girlfriend. It's always something very important, but like, I guess he won't learn his lesson until the cops catch me. There is no excuse for that. You cannot tell me that you can drive and eat a bowl of cereal. It's always the urgency that gets me. And I'm like, like anything more important than you just can't pull over to the side of the road and you know text there or just wait for like a few minutes till like we're done driving. In a rush, that's what people say. Risk your life. It's not an excuse. Pretty much no excuse. There's time for everything. You just have to make it. The average distraction takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds. Problem is, at highway speed, that's like driving the length of a football field. Blind. And drunk. Distracted drivers are 23 times more likely to crash. How crazy is that? So the message they're sending is this, take action against distraction. Um, it's, it's a message every driver needs to hear, which is why the insurance companies are getting that word out, because a distracted driver is in danger. Now listen, the same thing is true about your spiritual life. A distracted disciple is in danger. A distracted disciple is in danger. Hey, if you take your eyes off of the road for a few seconds, we can show you the pictures and tell you the stories of what could happen. But listen, if you take your eyes off of the Lord for a few weeks, for a few months, for a few years, we could tell you stories of what could happen. Distraction is a danger every disciple has to face. Listen, distraction can damage your faith. It can damage your relationships. It can damage your ability to be loving. It can dull your sensitivity to the Spirit. It can diminish your awareness of God's presence in your midst. And believers must not, we must not allow distraction to damage our spiritual life. 
Uh, the truth is this. We need to take daily action against distraction. Because if we don't win the battle on a daily basis, we are going to lose it. I want to challenge you here. The first, the first chance I have here in 2014, the first sermon I can talk to you about so that we can get on a good spiritual course together. I picked this topic because I feel like this is the most personally convicting challenge that I'm hearing from the Lord. You're distracted. You're distracted. And so God's messing me up with that message, and I figured I'd mess all you up with that message too. (laughs) Hey, you're distracted. Admit it. You are. You are. And we're going to see today a role model of what it looks like to not be spiritually distracted, and we're going to meet somebody who was incredibly spiritually distracted. But first, let's pray. Then we'll get into the Word together. Heavenly Father, we are hopelessly, incurably, chronically distracted. Slowing down, being still, listening to you, takes such effort. It's a daily battle. Help us this year to come into your presence, to hear your voice, to turn down every other thing, and to be focused on what you have to say to us. Teach us each day to give you our undivided attention. We pray this in your name. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And we're going to meet two women. You've probably heard of them before. Their names are Martha and Mary. They're sisters. And we meet them in Luke 10, verse 38. Jesus comes to their house. Let me read the story to you first. We'll learn the story and talk through the story, and then we'll have some takeaways from it. But it says this, Now as they went on their way, verse 38, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We're supposed to notice the contrast between these two women. There's a difference. Now, write this down in your bulletin. First, they did both welcome Jesus warmly. They both welcomed him warmly. Go ahead and fill that in in your bulletin. They wanted him there. They heard he was coming over into town, and they welcomed him into their house. They both wanted him there. What that means is they both represent believers, followers of the Lord Jesus, which means you, Christian, can act like either one of these women on a daily basis. You can be a Mary or you can be a Martha. They both stand for how believers can treat Jesus. They considered him Lord, heard about him, welcomed him in. And how cool would this be to have Jesus over for a meal? <laughs> It'd be nice, you know, if somebody said, hey, we're having company over for lunch. And, you know, maybe your husband says this. You say, well, who's coming over? What if he said, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus? But the house isn't ready. What am I going to make for lunch? Imagine, like... The privilege, but imagine the stress of having Jesus over to your house. 
you know, there are different levels of clean that need to happen in the house. When I was growing up, like we had to have it clean for company, but there was a definition, there was a term that we used uh, for special company. We said, we've got to get this house grandma clean. When grandma was coming over, the house went to a whole new height of cleanliness. And we had to dust everything and clean everything. Why? Because grandma's coming over, right? Now, who is it in your life that most stresses you out when they're on their way over to your house? Who is it that makes you get the house cleanest? Is it, who is it? Is it your mom? Is it his mom? Is it your clean sister? Is it, who is it? There's a person, and I know that you're thinking of that person right now. Like, the kids are running wild trying to get the house ready with you, and if your husband sits down, watch out, he gets a list longer than Santa's of things to do. Why? Because this person is coming over. Okay, now imagine if you had to get the house Jesus clean. Like, who's coming over? And what you see is, Martha saw this as an excuse to work harder than she had ever worked before to get the house Jesus ready. But Mary saw it as an entirely different opportunity. This was her chance now, like never before, to listen to Jesus. These two women give us a contrast. Both welcomed him warmly, but, write this down, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus while Martha was distracted. Write that down. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted. Martha raced all around. Is it bad what she was doing, making lunch? Jesus was even going to sleep over. How cool would that be? She's getting the house ready. She's getting the lunch ready. She's getting, like, are any of those things bad? No, they're all good. They're really good things that she's doing. So what's the problem? The problem is Jesus decided to stand up and start teaching some things. His mouth started moving like this event was getting into the Bible. And Mary, when she realized that, she just went right up to him and says she sat at his feet. She just sat right down as close as she could get. And she just like sat right down and looked up and listened. Hey, he's teaching. Now's the time to clank away in the kitchen with the pots and pans because lunch is good. Sit at his feet and listen. Do you see the contrast? Do you see it? So Martha shows us that we can be distracted by good things. We can be distracted by doing the right things at the wrong time or by doing the right things with the wrong heart, right? What does Martha show us? Martha shows us we can be near Jesus. Like she could see him with her own eyes. But there was distance. She's showing us that we can be formally close to Christ, theoretically close to Christ, at church, in a small group, but relationally far from him, spiritually far from him, not paying attention. We can be distracted. That's what she shows us. She shows us what a distracted disciple looks like. Every parent knows when their child is no longer listening to them. Every wife knows when her husband is not really paying attention. Every teacher knows when her students are not following with her. Every pastor knows when his congregation is not really listening. You're doing a great job. Much better than the first service, people. I give you (laughs) thumbs up. Hey, listen. The Lord knows when his disciple is not listening. The Lord knows when his disciple is distracted. And guess what? He didn't care about how clean Martha's house was. He didn't care about how great lunch was going to be. What was he concerned about? 
He was concerned that she wasn't finding his presence while he was teaching. That's what he was concerned about. But Mary drew near. Mary sat down. This shows us what it means for a believer to enter into the presence of the Lord with ears to hear, getting as close as possible to our Lord. She takes a posture of humility. Uh, There's different postures that people take in the Bible to express their relationship to the Lord. Sometimes people stand up in His presence to show honor, put their hands in the air to show worship, or they kneel down to show reverence, or David even sat in the Lord's presence just to, to be fellowshipping with Him. Um, And here, Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. That posture is one of being a learner and a listener. And it shows humility. So Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Martha was distracted. Okay, write this down. Mary listened to Jesus. Martha interrupted Jesus. Uh, Mary listened to Jesus. Martha interrupted Jesus. Okay, this is kind of funny. Jesus got up and started teaching a sermon. And Martha had the nerve to walk up and interrupt him while he was teaching. Okay, I need somebody to just stand up and interrupt me. Somebody just, while I'm preaching, I just want you to start interrupting. I'm trying to preach a sermon here. No, you got to do a better job than that. Come on, stand up. Stand up, be loud. This is your chance. I'm, I, okay, I'm trying to preach here to the people, but, did, okay, are you done? Thank you for interrupting me. I appreciate it. Like, like the nerve of... Someone to stand up and interrupt like the preacher. The nerve of someone walking up while Jesus is preaching and being like, Hey! Hey! Do you not care that my sister has left me to do this work alone? Tell her to get up and help me. You have to listen really carefully to what Martha says. First of all, notice who she's saying it to. Like, if I was Mary, I'd get up and get out of the presence of the Lord so the lightning bolt can come down. You know, there's times in the Bible where God just shuts a person's mouth like this, bam. Like, uh, uh, what's his name? Zacharias, John the Baptist, dead. He didn't believe the angel. Boom, he couldn't talk for nine months. Right? That would have been a really good trick to pull on Martha right here. Zip! Don't you want that to happen to some people in your life? Oh, it's nine months of quiet. (laughs) Don't say amen. So Mary listened to Jesus. Martha had the nerve to interrupt Jesus. She got up in God's face, got bossy with him, tattled on her sister. This is what we call a sister fight. Okay, older sisters can be bossy. I'm just going to say it. Older sisters can be bossy. And older sisters are really good at picking on younger sisters. I've got a picture here of an older sister picking on a younger sister. They're both, they're both kind of young there, but <laughs> look what I did. <laughs> older sisters can pick on little sisters. Little of that going on. Little of that going on. Okay, but listen, pay careful attention. What is Martha saying? What is Martha saying? Do you not care? That my sister has left me alone to serve? What is she saying? She's saying, Jesus, you are distracting my sister from what she should be doing right now. Jesus, you are intruding upon my priorities. Martha had her whole day planned out. Then Jesus decided to stand up and start opening his mouth and teaching 
What business does he have teaching when it's time to be making lunch? Who does he think he is intruding on my agenda? Listen, Christian, you do this. You do this. I do this. Who Doesn't Jesus care that I have to get all these other things done? Why does he demand that I do this or be this or like he's really getting in the way of my plan here. We do this. We do this. The word distracted is important and central to the text. Martha verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Mary was listening, Martha was distracted with much serving. The word distracted, it doesn't mean what you might think. It doesn't mean like, oh, I'm ADD. I've got a thousand things running through my mind all at once. I can multitask. No, none of that means you're distracted. Um, Distracted is a stronger word than that. I'm going to act it out here with one of our elders here. Distracted means to, to drag away. I'm dragging him away from his wife right now. She doesn't like this, right? She wants to spend time with him and sit in church with him. And, you know, hold hands maybe. It's cute. But I'm dragging him away from that. This is distraction, okay? It's not that he's got ten things on his mind. It's whatever it is, something is pulling him from a greater thing. That's distraction. Thank you very much. Really great. I'm going to drag you away again just so that people remember it. Okay, go ahead back. This is how distraction works. It's It's not that these things are bad. It's that the timing or the priority pulls you away from what? Well, from Christ. Mary listened to Jesus. Martha interrupted Jesus because she was distracted. She was a distracted disciple. This shows you the two different ways you can interact with your Lord. Jesus said, Martha, he was so kind. Martha, she was so bossy and he was so kind. Martha, Martha. You're worried about so many things. He said, in some translations it says, few are necessary, even but one. In the ESV it says, one thing is necessary. Um, I've, I've done the math and I've added up all that's going on in your life and I've come up with a grand total of the number of things that are actually truly a necessary priority and here's the number. Everybody hold this up. Jesus has added up the number of things going on in your life. He's tallied up your task list, and he's come up with a grand sum total of how many? One thing that is truly, absolutely, irrefutably necessary for you to do. Only one. How could he say that? My children need food or diapers. How could he say that there's only one? Well, he's showing what it means to have a quality relationship with Jesus. And he said, Mary has chosen the good portion. Another way that can be translated is the best part. She's chosen the best part of me being here. No, the best part of you being here is I get to do all this housework to host you. No, the best part of me being here is you sitting down, being quiet and undistracted while I teach you. And you get in the Bible. You see how our perspective can be off? Jesus began writing one of the most famous stories in the Bible in this family. Okay, Mary and Martha had a brother. What was his name? Okay, Lazarus. He's going to do amazing, astonishing things that the world is going to talk about for the rest of this age. They're going to be a famous family. It perhaps even started here with Jesus' first trip to their house. I'm going to do so many things. You can't believe what people are going to know about you. I mean, I'm going to call your brother back from the dead. I'm going to wait four days. He's going to be dead, as dead as you can be, and then I'm going to call him back, and everyone's going to know your names. And guess what? It starts with you sitting down now. Sit down, listen to my voice, 
so I can teach you faith and get you ready for what I'm about to do. That's where it starts. The same is true of you and me. So here's the takeaways now. That's the story and the contrast. But what does Jesus try and teach us? Well, write this down. I must win the battle with distraction. I must must win the battle with distraction. I must pursue a quality of relationship with Jesus on a daily basis. I must win the battle with distraction. Ask me why. Come on, ask me why. See, because I can tell you how, and I'm going to get to that, but first I want to tell you why. Why? Why? Why do I have to win this battle? God's got amazing things to teach you. He's got ways he wants to use you, but if you're not sitting down, giving him your full attention daily, you're going to miss it. I've got one more uh, video of a distracted, uh, of an insurance company trying to promote you to not be a distracted driver. Okay, here, check. This is my, like, my favorite insurance Distracted driving. It accounts for 25% of car crashes. Music, cell phones, food, the list goes on. This is why safe driving is so important. Correct. And it's why the best agents help safe drivers get a lower rate. Oh, exactly. We are insurance. We are farmers. So so why? Why? What what if that's me spiritually? What if I'm just a distracted disciple? Why? Why do I need to win the battle? Here's the first thing. Write this down. Distraction draws me away from my Lord. Distraction draws me away from my Lord. Uh, Puts distance between you and your Savior. And every morning you wake up, Martha will be calling out to you to get up and race off with her to get your checklist started. Listen, every morning you wake up, Martha's voice will come clearly into your ears saying, it's time to get going on the checklist. We need to get all of this going. Martha's calling you to spiritual drift. She'll have endless excuses for you, and they may even sound spiritual. But in the end, you'll be drifting. You'll be distracted. But every morning, Mary is going to be calling out to you too. Sit Sit down, get near, listen, listen, listen. Her eyes were on Jesus, her ears were on him. She didn't lose sight of him. You know, we have to fix our eyes intentionally on the Lord because he's not visible. We have to give him our ears because we can't, he's not audible. Um, Check out 2 Corinthians 4.18, we'll put it on the screen. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. If we don't intentionally focus on eternal priorities, we're not going to do it. It doesn't happen accidentally. Check out James 4, verse 8. We'll put that up on the screen. In fact, let's say this together. Here we go. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near. Listen, what that says is, you do this, and guess what God does? Same thing. This is how your God works. Wait a minute, I thought God was everywhere. I thought he was omnipresent. What do you mean I have to draw near? He's already with me. He's already in me. No, what I'm saying is, Jesus could be in your very living room talking, and you could be far from him. I'm talking about a quality of relationship. 
You can be in church. You can be in a small group. You can even maybe be a Christian home, but you can be far at heart from your Lord, not listening to his voice. It's a quality of relationship we're talking about. So in turning your attention to your Savior, you are drawing near and sitting at his feet. In being distracted, you are drifting, drifting, drifting. That's what distraction does. It pulls you away from your Lord. I feel far from God. It's because you're distracted. Here's another reason why. I must win the battle. Why? Well, distraction draws me away from my Lord. Here's the next one. Distraction drowns out the voice of my Lord. Drowns out the voice of my Lord. I'm not even hearing him because of all the distraction going on. Okay, so Louie, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you, okay? But um, I want everybody else to say something to you, too. To make it fair, I'm going to turn my mic off. So everybody say something to Louie. Go ahead. It could be anything that you well, uh, Louie, what did I say to you? You didn't hear it, right? You were listening. You were just listening to all these other distracting voices, so my voice got drowned out, right? What I said was the Packers are going to lose today. See, but you didn't even hear it because... <laughs> no, they're probably going to win. But, you know, but the point is, drown out. My voice got drowned out. The voice of the Lord can be drowned out if you're listening to all these other loud things. You're not going to hear him. Distraction drowns out the voice of my Lord. And you know what? Jesus has so much to say. Do you know that one of the most basic things a disciple of Jesus does is listen? Uh, we're listeners of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. Well, you're a listener of Christ too. John 16, 12, we'll put that on the screen. When Jesus was about to die and go up to heaven, he said, I, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. Meaning I've got a really long list of things I want to tell you, but not yet. You're not ready yet. Do you know Christ has some things in 2014 he wants to get to you? Maybe in a sermon, maybe in a personal Bible study, maybe who knows, but he's got things he's going to say. He's going to say them. Are you going to hear them? You're going to be at his feet. If you're distracted, you'll miss it. Uh, how are your ears spiritually? Are they perked up? Wide open? Uh, I saw a picture of an animal here that's got ears that are wide open. Check this out. That dog's got ears. <laughs> See, and I want that to be you. I mean, figuratively, the ear part. I want that to be you spiritually in 2014. Yes, Lord, I hear. Yes, talk. I'm listening. I mean, I want you to be attentive. I don't want you to be distracted. Why? Well, distraction draws me away from the Lord. Uh, I feel far from Him. Distraction drowns out the voice of my Lord. I feel like I'm not even hearing from Him. Here's the next one. Distraction produces behavior that grieves my Lord. Write that down. Distraction produces behavior that grieves my Lord. Why is Martha storming into the living room, bossing around the one who made her? Why? She, listen, she's being divisive. She's being irreverent. She's mad at God. She's being difficult with others. Why? She's being short, abrasive, irreverent, shameful, overbearing. Why? Why? Because nobody's helping me around here. No. Why? Why? Because I'm distracted. Because I'm a distracted disciple. I'm doing things that grieve my Lord. She has a weedy untended heart. This is fruit of a soul that has been distracted for too long. Um, 
Did you hear the story of the woman in Australia who uh, had her phone out and she was on Facebook on her phone and she was walking down a pier? Did you, did you hear about this woman? She was walking down a pier and she was so distracted by her phone that she fell off the pier into the freezing cold water. But she held the phone in the air, landed in the water, phone survived. She couldn't let the phone get wet. So now she's in the freezing water checking Facebook. Just fell off a pier. Picture. They had to drag her out of the water holding the phone. (laughs) Humiliating. How did this happen, right? Well, listen, listen. She got distracted long before at the beginning of the pier. She fell off the end of the pier. Same thing happens with Christians. How did he do that? Why did she say that? How did he get there? How did she? It's because at the beginning of the pier, he was distracted. At the end of the pier, he fell off. Okay, some of us are doing this right now. We're distracted. We're not listening. We're not listening. And we're going to go over. And when people hear what we do or where we are or what we... How did that happen? Distracted. Distracted. Not listening. Not looking. Distraction produces behavior that grieves my Lord. Why? Why do I have to win the battle daily with distraction? Why? It's because Jesus added up and tallied the sum total of things in your life that are truly important. And that number is this. It's not that Jesus is one of the important things in your life. Listen, the quality of your relationship with Jesus is the quality of your life. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. It says in Philippians, to live is, among other things, to live is Christ. What he's saying is, there are only bad excuses for neglecting me. I'm the reason you were created. I'm the reason you were saved. I'm the reason you woke up this morning to enjoy a quality relationship with the personal God who made you. I'm this. And nothing else is. Why? Because only one thing is necessary. I've got to win the battle with distraction. It draws me away from the Lord. It drowns him out. It produces behavior that grieves him. So I've got to win it. Okay, but now that you're ready, now that you know why, ask me how. Come on, I mean it. Ask me how. Let's talk about how. How do I stay near to the Lord? Well, you can write the first one down. First, seek spiritual nourishment first. Seek spiritual nourishment first. Where does this come from? Well, Jesus said, Mary has chosen the what's best, the good portion. Meaning, pick this first. Pick this first. Seek spiritual nourishment first. Um, have an appointment with God on a daily basis and keep it or other things will destroy your spiritual walk. Uh, The title of this sermon is um, Weapon of Mass Distraction. And I got it from a picture that I saw several months ago. Check out this picture. All the things that can distract us. you you got blogs, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and all that. None of those are bad. You can do great things with all those tools. But if they drag you away from this, if they distract you from this, they've taken everything from you. All right? So I have to first... Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. I have to seek spiritual nourishment first. He's calling you into his presence on a daily basis to sit, to listen. And listen, 
We need to have an appointment. I don't know if, if I were to ask you, when do you sit and listen to the Lord? When do you read your Bible or pray? Ah, it changes day to day. You don't have an appointment. You're not committed. Most people need to wake up with a plan. Okay? If you're a morning person, get up a little earlier and give the Lord a half an hour. If you're an evening person, stay up a little later. You know, if you've got a long commute, put in some you know, a CD or an MP3 player and get the Bible on it. But however you do it, have a standing appointment with God each day. Seek spiritual nourishment first and have people hold you accountable to keeping your appointment each day. Uh, here's the next one. How? How do I do it? Well, seek it first. Second, slow down and simplify. Slow down and simplify. If you look at chapter 10 again, verse 41, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. This little snapshot is, is showing where her heart is chronically. Okay? You're worried, worried, worried about many, many, many ongoing things. This is you and me, and it's going to get fixed right now. Maybe we need to slow down. Maybe we need to simplify. Maybe we're worried about too many things. Hey, refuse to allow too many commitments to make your life hopelessly unmanageable. Just set some priorities. Draw some lines. And I can give you the three things that every disciple needs to be about. Uncompromisingly, every week, what every disciple needs to be about. This is what disciples do. These are the three W's of harvest. The first one is worship Christ. Are you worshiping Christ? Meaning, are you getting here Sunday? Are you singing loudly with all your heart? Are you worshiping Christ? Hey, congratulations. You've got perfect attendance going in 2014. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. I mean, 52 Sundays a year is really not that many times that you can get into the presence of the Lord and fill His presence with praise, which is what you were saved for. You were saved to be a worshiper. Okay? And hey, frankly, sometimes people make Sunday morning an optional thing. Listen, we need to make it a priority, okay? The next time your children say, are we going to church today? Say, never ask me that question again, all right? Sunday is what we do. And if you need to talk to your boss, if you need to talk to your family, if you need to come late to a sporting event, hey, hey, I'm making a stand here. Every disciple worships Christ, and I will be there. If I'm in town and if I'm healthy, I'm going to be there even in a blizzard. Nice job. Walk with Christ, or worship Christ. Every disciple also walks with Christ. At Harvest Palace, we say that getting into a small group is how we walk with Christ together. We are going forward in our faith with Christ. Hey, don't let it be said that a tummy ache will take you out of small group. Okay, it takes a tornado to keep her away from small group. She comes every time, all right? No good excuses to neglecting your spiritual walk. Get in a small group, stay in a small group, worship, walk, and then work for Christ. The third one is work for Christ. Slow down and simplify. And hey, let me just push you. Let me just challenge you a little bit. If in your life your schedule is such that you cannot commit to worshiping him weekly, walking with him in a small group, working for him on a ministry team, something in your life needs to change. You're basically saying, my life won't allow for my discipleship. And is that true? Because according to Jesus' math, this is the number. And you're saying you don't have time for that. You've got to get his math in your math. Worship, walk, work, slow down, simplify. Here's the third one. How do I stay near? How do I do it? How do I do it? Third one, stop complaining. Martha was a complainer. 
Stop complaining. Don't be like her. A telltale sign that you are wound up, worried about the wrong things, not in a good place spiritually, rolling in on four flat tires as you are complaining. This is one of these moments pastors kind of enjoy. They kind of enjoy because I get to stand up and tell a room full of people, Stop complaining! And I know maybe some of the people in this room have been wanting this to be said to the person who's next to them or whatever. Stop it! Stop complaining! Complaining, complaining is a chronic telltale sign that you are distracted and your heart is in the wrong place. Right? Why? Well, because your heart is all wound up about the wrong things. And let me just say this. If there's complaining that's chronically coming out of you, the reason is because you believe a lie. You believe a lie. What's that lie? Well, I'll tell you. The lie is this. Once I get everything done, once I feel back in control, once things calm down again, then I will get back to church, then I will get back in the Bible, then I will get in a small group. Hey, you are living life spiritually backwards. As if your frantic checklist will dump you off at a place of peace and harmony and serenity, so then you can be a life-giving member of the community of faith. You are thinking backwards and believing a lie. And listen, that lie is rotting your soul. And it's coming out in complaining. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. And listen, understand this. Get this, get this. Joy begins at the feet of Jesus. Peace begins at the feet of Jesus. Patience begins at the feet of Jesus. You go into his presence. You take up all of these things you need to make it through your life. Then you bring them with you to the laundry room, to the doctor's office, to the commute. You bring them with you. And where did you get them? From the presence of the Lord. You're not going to find them out here and then return to the presence of the Lord once you've finished it all. That's backwards. You've got to stop complaining. Slow down and simplify. Seek spiritual nourishment first. And then how? How do I do it? Well, here's the last one. Set some goals. Set some goals. Uh, We need goals. We we need goals in order to make progress. Um, What gets measured gets improved. So let me ask you this. If you go to your small group this week and somebody said, hey, what are your spiritual goals for 2014? Hey, let's write them down. Let's get those sketched out so that we can then have people hold us accountable to them. I can give you a few ideas here. Um, spiritual disciplines, there's many of them, but of course, the clearest way to get the voice of the Lord in your ears is to read your Bible. So have a plan. Um, each year, I challenge people to read through the Bible in a year if you've never done it or if you want to do it again. Read through the whole Bible in 2014. Uh, there's a reading chart at the welcome desk. It's just, chap- it's just book of the Bible and numbers, Genesis 1, 2, 3. You just X off the chapters as you read them. If you read three to four chapters a day, you'll get done with the whole Bible in a year. And if you fall behind, then you just, um, you know, vacation time or whatever, you just catch up. Uh, Or you get the the Bible on your iPhone or iPad, you listen to it on the treadmill. You can get through a lot of chapters that way, but maybe you want to make your goal reading through the Bible or reading through the New Testament in 2014. Maybe you want to amp up your prayer life. Um, My prayer life was really lousy until a teacher I had at Bible college said, hey, why don't you write your prayers down? Why don't you prayer journal? Change, the, change my whole prayer life. What were you praying five months, three days, and four hours ago? What were you, what were you praying? See, because I can now go to the shelf and pull that off in my prayer journal. I can tell you what I was praying back then. I, I don't know. I, I've got a bad memory. 
but the prayer journal is going to help me remember what I've called upon the Lord for. Maybe you want to buy a journal at Walmart or Target and just start writing out your prayers so the Lord can prove faithful to you. Whatever you do, have a goal, share your goal, and then have people hold you accountable to your goal. But how? How am I going to do this? Hey, have some goals. Stop complaining. Slow down and simplify. Seek spiritual nourishment first. That's how you're going to stay near. You've got to daily win the battle with distraction or you're going to be dragged away from the Lord. His voice will be drowned out. You're going to do things that dishonor him. We've got to listen to the call of Mary each day and sit at the feet of the Lord with our full attention on our Savior. Let me just close by sharing one last thought with you that I had this week. Do you remember the story of the disciples after Jesus was risen up from the dead? And he was walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember that story? But he, he disguised himself somehow so they didn't know it was him. They're, they're on the road to Emmaus, long walk, and Jesus was talking to them and explaining the Bible to them. They love this guy. Wow, he knows everything. And when they got to Emmaus, you remember how the story goes? They, they walked into the city and Jesus just kept on walking. He's just like, okay, see you guys. Bye. And do and you remember what happened then? What happened then? So I'll just do it. John, I'll see you. Bye, John. Take care. What? Oh, you, you want me to come with? Okay. I'll, I guess I'll just turn around and... Why would he do that? He's God. If he's going to go in the house, go in the house. Because he wants to be invited. You want, do you want more of this? Do you want me to stay longer? You see, he leave, this is our God. He leaves an invitation out for you to ask for more. It's the invitation each morning that he wants. And my last thought comes from an author, an awesome author named F.W. Borum. Thinking about this very interaction on the road to Emmaus, F.W. Borum says this, If standing beside that door, I let him go, I miss the radiant revelation that flinging a celestial luster over every commonplace day of my commonplace life would have given me a mission, would have in its turn glorified the lives of others. But if on that threshold I invite my Lord to enter, I turn earth into heaven and transform every simple meal into a banquet of paradise. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I confess it freely. This is what I needed to hear going into this new year. I confess it, Lord, how uh, quickly I can become so distracted, not listening, not sitting, missing my appointments with you. Father, forgive me, but I know I'm not alone. I know too many days we wake up and chase after Martha. Um, I just pray, Lord, that this year would be different. I pray that you would help each one of us this year to sit at your feet closely, giving you our full attention each day. We know, Lord, you have amazing things to say to us. You have awesome things to teach us. You have unbelievable ways of using us. But it begins when we sit down and listen. Help that to be our way this year. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.